This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Let me start this morning by looking to America uh, because we are now on the eve of the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. He arrived in Washington yesterday just to see for himself the security measures that are in place around Capitol Hill. And I suppose it will go down as history for the amount of security that has been needed. There's always very, very tight security around a presidential inauguration, but nothing like what we are seeing this time round. But there's a lovely positive Irish story coming out of tomorrow's inauguration and it's to do with a young Irish concert violinist by the name of Patricia Tracy. She will be playing during a private mass for President-elect Joe Biden and his family and that will take place before tomorrow morning's inauguration. There had been concerns that there wouldn't be any live music at the mass because of obviously what has been going on in Capital. Uh, and the riots earlier this month. Uh, so the invitation for Patricia to play in the organ. Or- inauguration day came directly to her from the Biden family last year. Over the weekend she practised in Chicago for what she described as a once in a lifetime opportunity. Now the main piece she's going to be performing is the the, the proclamation which was composed by Patrick Cassidy. Patricia will be playing at the Mass tomorrow on a 350 year-old Stradivarius violin, which I'm told is estimated to be worth around $4 million. She's also going to be joined by a soprano and that gorgeous song on Eagle's Wings is going to be performed and we know that that's a song that's very dear to Joe Biden's heart. She's also going to play Schubert's Ave Maria and then she'll also do the Celtic uh, Alleluia. Uh, she said that she's been told there will, they, that she will be the only live music event on the day. She's a native of Black 
Rock in County Louth and she's played for President-elect on a number of occasions before including when he came to Ireland to visit his ancestral home in 2016 so it's a huge, huge uh, honour. Now it is understood that this Mass is small and it's private and it's just the um, his immediate family are expected to be, president, to be present and when the Mass is over then uh, Joe Biden along with his family will make their way to the capital for the inauguration. Now we do have a piece from uh, Washington this morning and this is from John Pinar who is with our sister station Times Radio in uh, Washington and he's been speaking to people on the streets of Washington and he got their thoughts on what's been happening around the city particularly in regard to that very tight security measures that are in place and also speaking to them about how what life was like under Donald Trump. It's been it's been very rough uh, during his presidency. Um, uh, things have changed so much, uh, especially in the way of people, uh, the way of thinking. So that. What do you mean by that? I mean, even even if like, let's say, racism has always been around, uh, people have now the liberty to express themselves more towards that. So. Yeah, uh, things have changed a little bit on on that matter. You, you, you're, you're keen to see Donald Trump gone, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yeah, tell me why. Um, he's just not a, in my personal opinion, he's just not a good person at all. Like she said, things have just gone south. And a lot of the issues, they're not issues that were just born in the last four years for his presidency. They've been here always, but now that he's been president, things just got more, a lot more intense. Do you think things are going to get better now you've got a new president, now Joe Biden's going to be in the White House? Hopefully it will. I mean, yeah, we're hoping for the best, but um, I mean, you have to change society, right, for for things to get better, not uh, a person like the president. Yeah. So we haven't to change in combina- uh, combination. And that might not happen quickly, right? And that might not happen quickly, or or maybe never, right? Unless unless we change uh, our way of thinking. Optimistic about the possibility of the future, us coming together as a country. Better. It's, it's pretty obvious that you are not sorry to see the end of the Trump presidency. Oh, no. no, 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 um, <laughs> It's been way too long. <laughs> this has been yes. going on for longer than just week. He is a so. strange man. Very, very sick. This is still a such a divided country. Yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen next. Right. Um, you don't. And I do think that I am optimistic that it can come together more, that if everyone listens to each other a little bit more, that's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fast. People are going to get frustrated with Biden, that things aren't happening fast enough because people's nature but we have to give it all time. Nothing changes overnight. This won't be the celebration of democracy. It's always been in the past. It's a test, maybe a healing of deep, painful wounds. And that won't happen quickly. And that's uh, John uh, Pienaar from Times uh, Radio who travelled to Washington this week to cover the inauguration, speaking to some Americans on the streets of uh, Washington yesterday. But the very best of luck to that young Irish concert violinist who I imagine is going to be so nervous, but she'll be absolutely wonderful uh, playing at that private mass for the Biden family tomorrow. Now, back closer to uh, home. Firstly, picking up on yesterday's programme when I spoke with the lovely Paddy O'Brien 
a great advocate for older people and poor old Paddy said a tough old year health wise but he's bouncing back which is uh, terrific to hear and he spoke to us yesterday just asking us all to remember older people and to check in on older people be they family members friends uh, or neighbours just to make sure that they are okay well an email in said Patricia it was lovely to hear Paddy O'Brien on the programme uh, yesterday but another issue that doesn't always get spoken about or addressed is many older people may suffer with continence problems and now they are having problems leaving their homes to even go into town. Why? Because there are no toilets accessible to them. It's an extra restriction for those who necessarily are, are okay otherwise doing so. They'd pop into town, they'd be able to go into the coffee shop, have a cup of coffee and spend a penny at the same time. But of course all of those coffee shops and the hotels and places where they traditionally go and have their cup of coffee and, and spend a penny at the same time uh, is gone for them. And I don't know how big a problem that that is for a lot of people, but certainly thank you to the uh, person who emailed that. It is worth mentioning. And is that adding to people's already we're leading quite restrictive lives but are people now trapped and feel that they can't go out because they don't have access to public toilets and I don't know how many public toilets are open are the public toilets available in many towns and around the city I don't know 1850 333 103 Now on uh, Covid there are some signs any bit of good news we can take to do with Covid we always welcome it Uh, there are now signs that the virus surge may be beginning to gradually slow down. For the second day in a row, the daily number of new cases has fallen. On Sunday, they went under the 3,000 mark, which certainly was been celebrated. They were 2,944. And yesterday, there was a mark drop again. They went down to 2,121. Fingers crossed that we can get similar numbers today because usually Sunday and Monday, the numbers are lower. So let's hope that they don't go up too much uh, today. Numbers in hospital also. When I was speaking yesterday on the programme, they had gone over the 2,000 mark in hospital from COVID-19. It's gone just below the 2,000 mark up to yesterday afternoon. But there are still 102 admissions in the previous 24 hours, which are still frighteningly high figures. Hospitals are under intense pressure, particularly with the number of very seriously ill patients, the ones that need to be in intensive care that's hovering around the 200 uh, mark. And we know that the surge capacity in all the hospitals now have been has been activated. But the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, says we need to pare our movements down to the very minimum so that we can drive this infection down faster that we, than we've been driving it down so far. Asked about the reopening of schools for special need pupils, Deputy Chief Medical Officer Roland Glynn says there was no zero risk environments and risks had to be balanced but he said the closures of schools should be the very last resort. He added there are people working in shops for example right across the country and they're in Uh, And they're not in a zero risk environment and yet they turn up for work every single day. And whether that was a slight pop at teachers in SNAs or not, I don't know. And anybody leaving their homes has to do their own risk assessment on infection, he said. And back to Tony Houlihan, he said they recognised the importance placed on vulnerable children in lockdown and the aim was to make essential activities as safe as possible. He was asked about the risk of more infectious forms of the virus and the chance of travellers bringing it into the country amid reports that people are arriving here without evidence of a COVID-19 test and they're not being subjected to quarantine. Dr Tony Houlihan said... 
there was little point now in trying to stop the UK variant becoming the dominant strain because we're we're already we're already there. The horse is well bolted on that one. He says measures could not keep these viruses out of the country but they could slow their progress and allow the opportunity to get as many people as possible vaccinated. Uh, He says at this stage, no evidence of the onward transmission of the South African variant and the Brazilian one hasn't been identified here. But he's basically saying it's too late to say that uh, we can't can't stop the UK one uh, is in. But I don't know. Is he wrong in saying that there are no, is no way of keeping these viruses out? Surely we can. If we don't have the Brazilian variant, variant here, we are asking everybody coming into the country to have a negative test and maybe we need to step that up and follow the Aussies and the New Zealanders and say, if you are coming into this country, then you need to go into quarantine and we put you into forced quarantine for 14 days where you're simply not allowed out. If you've been following the professional tennis players from all over the world, multi-millionaires and they're all inside in hotel rooms in Melbourne and they are not allowed out and they can do all the begging and all of the pleading that they want. But the Victorian Premier, when he was asked about them wanting to be allowed more time and Novak Djokovic wanted to be allowed out of his hotel room and said instead of being quarantined in a hotel, could he be quarantined in a house instead with a tennis court? And he was simply told, no, you can't. You're allowed out of your hotel room when they go for training. These are the ones that weren't on a plane that had a positive case but that's it and they're frogged much back into their hotel room and it doesn't matter who they are whether they, you know, they can be the top tennis players of the world and it doesn't matter they're being treated the very same as anybody else going into Australia you must go into quarantine into a hotel which have got they've got guards outside the door you can't come and go as, as you please and you must pay for the hotel yourself as well so some would say if we want to control travellers coming into this country maybe that is the route that we need to go down and then somebody else is also taking Tony Houlihan to task uh, saying what is wrong with Tony, Tony Houlihan's logic does he n- not realise that if the virus is present in home settings which we've been told it is that is because people aren't at home all day because they're working in settings where the virus is active example I use is this texture is a manufacturing plant they weren't deemed necessary and they were closed down in the first lockdown back in March but this time round all of the manufacturing plants are open is the HSA the Health and Safety Authority disbanded because if workplaces can't be made safe people shouldn't be obliged to go there they're bullied because they won't get the Covid payment if they stay home where their place of work is open for employment. Own up government, you are not prepared to endanger the people of manufacturing plants where the virus, according to this listener, is rampant uh, and it's been done to make money for the exchequer. Get a brain, says this texter. Would you close down the country short term instead of this, what I would describe as a dribble lockdown. This isn't a lockdown, says this texter. Speed up the vaccination while we have a lockdown and save save lives instead of pockets. Jobs can be created and money earned again, but we can't get lives lost back. And that's obviously somebody who's either working in manufacturing at the moment or somebody who has a loved one working in manufacturing at the moment and they're not happy uh, to be there for sure. Okay, and some of your emails into us. Anne, please withhold my surname keep it private that's fine hi Patricia uh, Ireland making the headlines because we're the worst in the world for Covid cases it equals no inbound tourism this year why? because headlines should have been zero plan for no Covid in Ireland by Easter time and then supervised quarantine for all entering Irish ports and airports 
plenty of hotels nearby until a second test after five days and traceability after that. Surely it might be a much more positive attitude. We did the wrong thing when it came to locking down this country. Farmers Markets says um, shouldn't happen for at least two weeks to try to prevent further spread of COVID and also suggests takeaway coffee stations should be disbanded. Anybody more than five kilometres from their home shouldn't be there anyway. And anyone within, within five kilometres, surely they can survive an hour uh, without uh, having a cup of coffee. Supermarkets and fields were much better first time on the first COVID lockdown. Now, not all of the supermarkets are not bothering supervising the numbers going into the shop and they're not always supervising sanitising. I wonder if others noticed that. Last time round, Anne felt her local supermarket was perfect, but she said you can't say that about all of the supermarkets this time round. Can any supermarket come on and say that they are 100% compliant? I know it's tough on them if people with COVID arrive in their shops. And that's Anne's thoughts on what What's happening with COVID at the moment? Tricia says a texter, the uh, US and the UK have banned all flights from Brazil. Yet we here in Ireland here, we allowed 1,500 to arrive from Brazil over the last two weeks. Surely this is reckless by our government opening us up to the Brazilian strain. Professor McConkie said on radio yesterday that compulsory quarantine should have been introduced last March after Irish people travelled to Cheltenham and 10 months later we still don't have it says uh, John yeah and a lot of people will 100% agree with you on John uh, John on that and that isolation should have been in certainly well before Christmas when there was a UK strain identified if we'd had quarantine we may not have the rate of UK strain that we have in this country at the moment and lots of people still giving out about the 5k rule and people breaching the 5k rule I live on the sheep's uh, head says Gloria and uh, yeah, and I agree with uh, a listener who contacted you yesterday that Sunday was unreal on the sheep's head. The place was full of visitors, even a couple on bikes with tents strapped to mini carts went past. So, so scary. Now, where you certainly are not within your 5k if you need to bring a tent with you. And Carol says, we live in a rural area where there is a walk near our home. Now, because of restrictions, people are taking over this walkway. No social distancing going on. Are people getting more selfish in this lockdown? Have others noticed that? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie According to an American study, COVID-19 vaccines could provide protection from the virus for anything up to five years. To discuss this further, I'm joined by Professor of Biochemistry and Cell Biology at UCC and that's Professor Tom uh, Cotter. Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, how significant would it be if these vaccines for COVID-19 did manage to protect us for up to five years? Oh, it'd be very, it would be very significant because at the moment, the only definite uh, immunity that we know of is for about six months. But this study coming out of America, uh, where they looked at the first cousin of the coronavirus that causes COVID-19, this is the virus that causes the common cold. They've done some studies there and they showed it'll last for three to five years. So that means that if it's the same for the virus that causes COVID-19, we won't have to vaccinate every year. 
and that would be a huge undertaking because it's not a seasonal virus like the influenza virus is. Um, you'd be vaccinating every day of the week for uh, 365 days a year. So it would be a big, big plus. And then people would have to remember what month, uh, what week they of the would. year did I get my vaccine? Whereas at the moment with the flu exactly. one, it's a flu exactly. season and people know when yeah. to go. Um, would the results of this study also mean protection against new strains of the virus? Yes, it would. And that that's would what, be a big that's plus. The best, that's the best guess now because the the um, the antibodies that you generate against the common cold, they protect against new strains of the virus for up to five years. That was the key part of the study. So if new strains of the virus comes out that causes COVID-19, you might expect protection based on what we know, how the immune system reacts to the common cold virus. What about people, Tom, who've recovered from COVID-19? Would they be protected without a vaccine? Um, they would, yes. They would be protected, but we don't know for how long. Yeah, because at the moment the advice is that even if you've had uh, COVID-19, yeah. you must go forward for vaccine. You must do. And the reason for that is that uh, um, with the vaccine, you get two shots for most vaccines. Now, when you get the when you get COVID-19, that's more or less equivalent to one shot. So by getting a vaccine, if you already got COVID-19, you're actually boosting the immune system to a much higher level. Mm. So you do get better protection. So it's a question of degrees. Yeah. But people who have COVID-19 are protected. If they get the vaccine, they'll be better protected. Would you, well, would you therefore prefer to see people who haven't had it get the vaccine first? Would that yes. take, a, take a bit Absolutely. of pressure off the vaccine, wouldn't it? It would, exactly, yes. But I don't think the HSE are doing that at the moment, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. But it would take the pressure off. And this, this research, obviously, is relatively new, coming out of the States. Has it been peer-reviewed yet? Or is Not that, yet. No, that's no, where it, it needs to go. last week. Uh, it wasn't peer reviewed, but I, I went through it with a fine tooth comb, well done. and it is very good. Okay, it's very okay. good research. Really, yeah. really prime. We take any bit of positivity we can at the moment. I think we have to. And Tom, are you happy with the way our vaccine program has been rolled out? I know there's a lot of criticism about it, but are, are they doing the best that they can do? Do you think? Well, like we uh, two weeks ago, we were pretty much at the bottom of the class in Europe for rolling out the vaccine, and now we're top of the class. Um, so we're the best European country for rolling out vaccines per head of population. Now we're behind the UK, but the UK is no longer in Europe, and we're way behind Israel. But yeah, we're we're doing pretty good. The question that I would like an answer to is, who's going to get the Pfizer vaccine versus the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is not as good as the Pfizer vaccine? And we're assuming that that will get permission from the European Medicines Agency uh, at the end of next week. So how is the HSE going to decide who gets what vaccine? Because one is a little bit better than the other one. Okay, and the AstraZeneca one, which everyone is saying is going to be the game changer, because that's the ones that the doctors and the pharmacies uh, will be able to give, because it's it's only one shot and it doesn't have to be stored at minus seventy degrees. Is it is it two shots as well? Okay, two shots. But it's what is it? It's seventy percent efficacy. No, sixty-two. Sixty-two. And do you okay? Not as good as ninety-five, but it will still give a protection. Oh, it will, yes, it will. And like when we originally we were expecting a vaccine to give around the 60 to 70 percent, we'd have been delighted with that. And we were very surprised when the, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine came out at 95 percent. But that's a very different technology. So that was a real surprise to us. Now, the reason the AstraZeneca one will uh, be a game changer is because of logistics. It's very easy to transport to anybody. Uh, can't the pharmacists can give it, GPs can give it, 
Whereas the Pfizer vaccine, logistically, it's very difficult to get to the people who need it because it has to be kept at minus 70. And that's a big issue. But it's a better vaccine. And because the efficacy is only 62%, when you say, who, who do you think should get it, therefore? Well, I think people over 65 uh, should probably get the Pfizer vaccine and people who are vulnerable. Yeah. Um, people, the younger people would probably get the AstraZeneca vaccine. Now, having said that, when you look at the two vaccines, um, they looked at whether people went to hospital with COVID-19 after getting the vaccine. And in both vaccines, nobody went to hospital. So both vaccines stopped people from getting seriously ill and ending up in hospital. And that's really what we want. Yeah, yeah. And so the, if I had a choice, yeah. I would give the, the Pfizer vaccine to people over 65, frontline workers and people who, are, uh, who have some underlying conditions. And the younger people, I would give the AstraZeneca vaccine. But that's, you know, that's just my personal preference. Because the AstraZeneca one has been widely used in, in the UK at the moment. It is, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's and they're giving it to all age groups. They are, yes. Yeah. Giving it to everybody, I think. Well, no, they're, they're still giving it to people uh, over 70. I don't think, and frontline workers, it's not out for general release yet. Yeah, OK. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine then has been used for people who are, who are um, in hospitals or associated with hospitals in some way or who are seriously ill. That's the way it's been done there. And then there's a Johnson & Johnson vaccine expected as well. Yes, the clinical trial there will finish at the end of next week. So uh, I'm eagerly looking forward to see how that looks. We don't know what the efficacy of that is yet. We don't no. know, but we know there were no serious side effects in right. clinical trials, but we don't know what the efficacy is. I, right. I would expect it to be, you know, somewhere in the 70s, maybe. And are there other vaccines coming down? There are, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. quite a few of them coming down the line. We'll be all using slightly different technologies. Yeah, but it's all working, which is the main thing. <laughs> it's all working, yes, yeah. yeah. And it's our only hope. Yeah. If, we hadn't, if we hadn't science and vaccines, there's no way we'd get out of this pandemic. We'd be stuck. OK. All right. Listen, uh, Tom, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Good, good morning yeah. to you. Uh, bye bye. Yeah, that bye is bye. Professor Tom Cotter, who is Professor of Biochemistry and Cell Biology at UCC. With, I, I think, some great news. We hang on to any little bit of good news that we can and we'll, we'll follow this study, particularly when they start to do peer reviews uh, on it. But that could be another real game changer if you, when you get your COVID-19 vaccine that you will be protected for anything up to five years. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now it seems thousands of workers will receive notification from revenue in the coming days that their preliminary end of year statement is now available and that they have a tax liability after receiving a pandemic payment during the last 12 months. Joining me with words of advice, Marion Ryan of Tax back.com. Uh, good morning to you, Marion. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. Now, your first piece of advice, and this is important to get out to people, is not to panic. Yeah, it's e- the main thing. Easy, yeah. Easier said than done, though, when it's the tax man, Marion. It is, it is. I suppose it's kind of, it's a hot topic this week. I think a lot of people would have seen their preliminary calculation there on Friday and got got a fright there. And I suppose the reason I say not to panic is that there's not a demand for payment immediately. You don't need to go onto the revenue and try and find four, five, six hundred euros to be able to pay them. Now, the first thing to bear in mind is that 
they're going to claw that back over the next four years. Okay. So there'll be a reduction in your tax credits and that doesn't kick in until next year. So the reduction in your tax credits, so you're going to be paying a little bit more tax every week, isn't going to happen until 2022. And they'll spread that out possibly over a long period as to 2026. So it's not going to be a, a huge bill every month that's been taken from you, you don't need to pay it immediately and I suppose the second thing to bear in mind in relation to it is that number that you're looking at there now be it 100 euros be it 1000 euros be 1500 euros that's kind of the worst case scenario so that's not taken into account those different tax credits and expenses and stuff like that that people can use to reduce that down so it's really important that people do review their taxes for 2020 and see if there is maybe could be a case that you may be entitled to e-worker relief. That's the tax relief for people that are working from home. So the majority of us are working from home since last March. So that's a tax relief that you can claim there that will reduce down the, the liability for you. It may be a case that you can avail of this day and spend tax credit that was introduced there last year as well. So that's another tax credit there for spending that you may have had if you're fortunate enough to maybe get away to a hotel yeah, yeah. for a weekend or if you got out for, for a meal there as well so that's another tax relief there and then there's still all the, the usual stuff like your your medical expenses there the flat rate expenses in relation to people's occupations so that number that people are going to see is going to be the worst case scenario but it could be a case that it could be reduced down quite significantly and it might even potentially be a case that people could get to a place where they actually have a refund hey, hey, happy, they, that yeah, will be happy days you yeah. mentioned the figure though of anything between 100 and 1500 are some of them are are, are some of the bills as high as 1500 they could be or they could well, like not to be scaring people too much they could be even even huh. higher well, than that <laughs> now what the revenue have said they've kind of done a kind of quick analysis of, of everyone that received them there and about a third of people that actually received them may actually be in a refund Okay. For the year, so that's another kind of area good news. Good, good news story. Yeah. Now, just just explain the group of, the group of workers that we're talking about that are most likely going to be affected by this. Yeah. So the people that's going to be affected by it, kind of the worst that's going to see the 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 highest figure there on it, are going to be people that received the wage subsidy most likely. So the temporary wage subsidy that would have been in place from March until September, and their employer would have topped them up a little bit. So, say for example. The wage subsidy was three hundred and fifty euros per week, and maybe their employer topped up their salary by two hundred to pay them five hundred a week. The tax on that, the PAY and UBC, would not have been deducted at source from it there. And which people, means it was and Marion, people would have known these were people who were at work. They yes, they were at yeah. work and and getting this wage subsidy. They would have noticed at the time that if they were weekly. You know, uh, monthly getting their 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 wages. They were receiving more money than they normally do. Sometimes, potentially. Okay. So yeah. So what it could be is so the wage subsidy was capped at the three hundred euros, three hundred fifty euros there for people. So people mightn't have actually received more money in their pockets because okay. they've actually taken a a pay cut at the same time as getting the, the wage subsidy there. And unless you're actually looking at your pay slip every single week, religiously looking at it, you wouldn't have noticed that there was no PAY or USC being deducted from it. Now, I know some people are quite quite particular and they would look at notice, but the vast majority of people, Don't. they leave that to their employer. They're, they, they get their wages at the end of the week and all they really care about is what the number is that goes into their bank accounts. There, they they don't really pay too much attention to it there. Now, the cohorts that will be the, the high underpayments, say, over the over the thousand euro market, the revenue have said that that is quite a small number 
of people as well. So they have done a few things to kind of alleviate it. So the first thing they did, I suppose, is they got rid of the wage subsidy in September and they changed it to the EWIS, so the employer subsidy there. And that is tax deducted at source there on it. So people aren't going to have any more liabilities accruing this year if they're on the, the EWSF rather than the TWSF. That's a bit technical there, but just to bear in mind that that's gone now, the, the wage subsidy, so this problem won't happen next year for people it's not a case that's going to keep building up because okay. people are, are, are still out of work and I think the one that will surprise some people the people that were on the POP the pandemic mm. unemployment payment these were the people who were out of work and yeah. they got their 350 euro a week a number of people would say that was an unemployment payment you don't pay tax on that yeah, there's actually, there's quite a lot of debate going on at the moment there. I know the FLAC, the Free Legal Aid Commission, they're actually taking kind of a case against it and questioning the constitutionality of it. So, like, some social welfare payments are, like, so like job seekers benefit, illness benefits, they are deemed as what's called a taxable income there, but the tax isn't deducted at source from them there. But the problem with the, the PUP is that this is kind of enforced retrospectively. So people always... It's always out there that illness benefit is a taxable income, even if people aren't fully aware of it there. But with the PUP, they kind of it was issued in March, and rightly so, people needed money in their accounts, so it was done quickly. But then, kind of April, May, June timeframe, they came back and said, "Oh yeah, by the way, that money that we gave you back in March is is taxable there." So it was something that to kind of keep an eye on. It's something that will be of interest there to see if there is any kind of changes or progress on it. But for the meantime, at the moment, the what the revenue stance is that those underpayments are, are correct and right and they will be still enforced for people. So just to kind of bear that in mind. And as I mentioned earlier, it is to not panic and it is to kind of now is the time to get really tax savvy because even if there's an underpayment for 2020, you can do a four-year retrospective review. So you can go back as far as 2017 and you might have refunds there in 17, 18 and 19. The big, one is the, the big one is the medical expenses, um, Marion. The amount of people that don't claim back. It's is, huge. It's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. So explain yeah. what people can claim back under medical expenses. Yeah, so everything. Anything basically that's prescribed by a doctor. So it's your prescription fees. It's your non-routine dental work. So things like if you're getting braces, crowns, veneers, I don't know of any household in the country that doesn't have a couple of teenage kids that one of them didn't end up having to get, get braces. Yeah, and they're the expensive. Yeah, it is, yeah, and it's 20% of them. So even if we take it down to like simple things like prescriptions, so if you have a prescription that's 10 euros a month, yeah, that's 120 euros a year, and that over five years is 500 euros there, and you can get your 20% back now. So that's 100 euros straight away for yeah. people. And that's only something small like a 10 euro prescription. People could have much larger prescriptions every month and people could have huge other amounts of things and it's stuff as well like if you're a celiac and you have to have special foods or if you're um, something like that you, ha- you can claim back tax relief on that as well so hold on to your receipts for that if it's a thing that you get laser eye surgery something that's quite common and as well as 20% back in that and then there's an exception to that is things like nursing home fees so they're actually deductible at your marginal rate which means you can get up to 40% back on them and you know nursing home fees and home care costs are huge so anything you can get back on that is great so getting for, potentially 40% back now is really helpful Okay, all right. but there um, and this e-worker relief. This is this will be a new one for a lot of people because a lot of people did end up working from home last year yeah, and yeah. still are. 
Yeah, so it's not a new relief, but it's new to people. Okay. Yeah, so like like that, it's something that's been exist- in existence for years, but the percentage of the population that were working from home was tiny. It was minute. So when it comes to working from home, there's two things available. So the first is your employer can actually pay you an amount of €3.20 per day tax-free as an expense for working from home. So that's to cover your costs of your electricity, your heating, your broadband, all these extra costs we have that we're here for the extra eight hours a day. In reality, 90% of employers aren't in a position to do that. So they can't afford to be paying the employees three euros 20 additional per day. So what there's available to us is a tax relief. So we can get back a relief on our additional expenses. So say, for example, your utility bills like your heating and your electricity, you can get back a tax relief at 10% per working day. Or if it's a thing like we're broadband, it's actually 30% there. Now, it, it is valuable tax credit, but it's not anyway close to the, the three euros 20 per day that you could get for your employer. Mm, so mm. if we took, for example, say someone... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, but at least it's something. Yeah, exactly. So it could be worth about 100 euros a year again. Yeah, so yeah. like with the medical expenses, the way we look at all these things is they're building blocks. So every little thing. So it could be 100 euros you're getting back for your medical expenses. It could be 100 euros for your e-work relief. It could be a case that you're a shop assistant working in retail. Maybe we title to what's called a flat rate expense. That's 121 euros. So all these little buildings. All up. adds up. They all add yeah, up. Now, exactly. so, uh, questions in. Hi, uh, Patricia. I owe 2,140 euro for revenue. I was on the TWSS for 21 weeks. Could you, do you, would you ask Marion, does that seem like a lot? Um, it does. It seems um, 21 weeks and 2,100. I would imagine that it definitely should be possible for it to be brought down there with things like the expenses that I, I mentioned there. It could be a case when the number that is that high as well. I would suspect possibly that the listener is married and joining us that maybe their spouse was in receipt of some sort of a payment as well, the wage subsidy or the PUP. So that's where people are going to get hit. Okay. But you won't have to pay it up front. It'll be it'll be spread out over four years. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's two options now. If it's the case, because some people were were aware of this and kind of have been making provisions for it, putting money away, knowing that the tax bill was coming, there is an option that you can actually go to the revenue today, log in online, and pay it and clear it if you are if you want to, if, if, you, if you're in that position. But okay. if not, review the year anyway. That's the most important thing. Make sure that that figure is correct and see if it can be reduced down. Okay. And then whatever's left won't be taken back until 2020. Okay, Harry was off work for three months uh, last year. He wants to know, can he claim tax back for the three months he was off work? He got paid via social welfare. He got six weeks pay from his company and the rest from social welfare. Is he entitled to tax back when he was out sick for three months? Potentially, yeah. It's definitely worth checking out. So any break in employment there, because the assumption would be that his earnings that he would have got from social welfare was probably substantially less than, than his normal weekly wage. So any tax that he would have paid when he was working may have like covered the social welfare payments and maybe in addition in on top of there it's definitely worth Somewhat. reviewing. Yeah. Okay. okay. Hi uh, Patricia. On my on your bank statement, would a refund from revenue come under the Department of Social Protection? The reason I asked was I wasn't on a COVID payment, but I got something back. I'm wondering was it from revenue? No, it's no revenue should. wouldn't. Part of social protection are completely completely separate. separate yeah. yeah, and it, I'm trying to even remember now from the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it comes in from it's, it's the on your bank statement shows as revenue. Right, it comes up as revenue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Department of Social Welfare would be. It's completely it's different. Yeah. It's, it's something else. Is there a tax allowance for private renting? Says a listener. 
No, unfortunately not anymore. They abolished that. There used to be, and it used to be quite a good one, it used to be up to 400 euros per year per person, but they abolished that in 2010 and they phased it out there between then and 2016, so okay. at the moment, no, unfortunately when, when you mentioned medical expenses and claiming back on your prescriptions, uh, Eileen Cantor says, how do you go back claiming back on prescriptions? Uh, do you have to scan the receipts or how does it work? Yeah, the chemists actually are brilliant. So I suppose it's again getting in the mind frame for for it. Myself, because I work in tax, I know that I use the same chemist religiously all the time because you can go into your chemist then and just ask them for a statement. So you go in and say, can I get a statement for the last four years? And they'll print it off on a sheet for you. The problem occurs for people is if, like before I worked in taxes, I used to just pop into whichever chemist was, was closest. I was passing by. Yeah, so it means you'd have to hold on to the, the blue slip, each of the blue slips there, or you take a picture of them and scan an email or you'd have to go into each each chemist and ask them for a statement because they'll have information of their own but they won't have information obviously of other chemists that you've been to and then just to make sure to either upload them onto the revenue system so they have a, a receipt tracker or they can email to someone like ourselves taxback.com or you need to hold on to them for six years so the revenue will require you to have receipts for six years after a claim Okay. Okay, but your main message this morning is don't panic and the other questions coming in from a lot of people do you need to do anything or do you wait for revenue to contact you? I would review it myself so as I said if revenue don't contact you what you're going to do is that that will be the figure it'll be that 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 minus figure that you see there but as I said that figure is based only on your standard tax credit so you might have medical expenses what I would say is get get advice from someone so if you look at your revenue system today and you get a, a nasty surprise and you see a minus number that's really frightening for you get in contact with someone like ourselves we can do a free review on it for you and we can either come back and say no look that figure is correct and right Okay. And that's what what it is. Or we might be saying, well, look, no, actually, we can bring that down quite a good bit there for you there. You're not claiming X, Y and Z there and we can help you with that. OK, and a very quick final one. My son got a tax refund when he went into his account on revenue. Does that take into account his POP payment as well? Um, if he's already done it this year, um, he will have got what's called a statement of liability. So that's what used to be called a balancing statement and it'll have all your pay and tax details on it for the year and to confirm your refund amount. Okay. So if he's received the PUP, it'll be down there as an income source on it. And if that's included, that means that he's, he's refunded, okay. he got his correct and right. And yeah. he's, well he's one, one, of, the he's one of the ones. He's one of those. Yeah. Okay. So people can contact you, taxback.com. Yeah. Okay. Listen, thanks very much. Thanks a million, Marion. We appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Marion Ryan there of taxback.com. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Marion Dunmanway says, with anybody else watching the primetime programme last night on uh, homelessness? Oh my God, yeah, I watched it. It was just depressing and distressing to watch I have to say Mary. Anyway, Mary says we are all on about staying together and everybody supporting everyone as we get through this lockdown. But Mary feels everybody seems to be bickering and fighting at the moment. There doesn't seem to be any unity out there. Particularly, remember the unity we had in the first lockdown. But with all the ministers talking, where has the support gone for homeless people? A lot of the people that ended up on the streets had no problems. But once they ended up on the streets, they ended up with 
with addiction problems such as drink, drugs and more and that was the one thing that really came through from that programme was you know people came homeless for you know for a whole host of different reasons it can be you know breakdown in relationships breakdown in uh, families it can be people getting evicted and the, it was scary to see the percentage of people that they'd interviewed who ended up on the streets homeless through no fault of their own didn't have addiction problem and then within six months to a year ended up uh, addicted. It really was frightening. That young lad, the younger boy from, was it Don or Dan from Latvia? I just found his story absolutely heartbreaking. And the 39-year-old woman, Natalie, the woman who was living in the tent by the side of the river. I mean, when she said 39, I had to, you know, stop the the TV and rewind it back to, to say is that, is this, they really say that that woman is 39 my God the woman looked well into her 70s and if that isn't a face of what homelessness and living rough can do to somebody I, I you know all of the stories are heartbreaking but they to me were the two that really uh, stood out uh, last night but uh, yeah uh, Mary quite a distressing programme indeed thank you by the way uh, for ringing to remind me to uh, mention it and then Sheila was on this came in to close the programme yesterday and I didn't get around to it my apologies Sheila it's kind of on a kind of a similar vein to that unity that we had in the first lockdown Sheila says Trish does anybody else feel the same as me in the first lockdown we all felt safe and cosy all staying home and we all seemed to be pulling together we were appreciating carers we were appreciating friends and neighbours and we were all trying to do our little bit but this time round it just seems to be constant squibbling and quibbling and rebelling against mask wearing and rebelling against guidelines. I don't get depressed as a rule but every time I put on the TV or the radio there's some kind of Covid argument going on. It's very unnerving for us particularly those of us that live alone. I blame leaders and politicians for not being tough enough on the rule breakers but then again it's the likes of them who are the first to break the rules. People will just follow suit. Harmony seems to have gone in this country and we're all just seem to be at each other's throats. It's so sad and we can't you, that we can't unite to beat this virus. It, the virus is only laughing at us at this stage, says uh, Sheila. Thanks for that, uh, Sheila. And I wonder, do many people agree with you? I'm, I'm sure Mary and Domanway ringing up about the homeless programme uh, would agree with you that there doesn't seem to be that same unity that we had during the first lockdown. And, and what is it? Is it just people are fatigued by COVID and fatigued with all of the restrictions that are in place and everybody just wants to get back to their normal life and people are just getting fed up of it and therefore they're getting complacent but uh, you know if we all take that view the only one that's going to win will be the virus the virus will beat us unless we get back to that harmony and that unity and that sense of everybody pulling together and everybody doing their bit that's how we will kill this virus off and suppress this virus and get rid of it and get to a stage where we've got zero COVID in this country. Thank you, by the way, Sheila, for your text. Helena in Mallow. 
So there's all this talk about lockdown. Just drive on the Cork to Mallow Road, uh, Patricia, or even the, the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road. Same volume of traffic. It's as normal. I don't know if this will change the case numbers, but I certainly don't see how people are staying at home when the traffic levels are as busy as they ever were. John and Crossbarry saying the same thing. He does a lot of walking. He was out yesterday. He says the Crossbarry main road to Cork City, City he feels was busier than it was this time last year. He said there's supposed to be a five kilometre rule in force but judging by the Cross Barry to Cork Road it is so busy you wouldn't even think that there was a lockdown in this uh, country. Karen in Ovens on the vaccine says I feel at this stage while we're talking about vaccines and looking at the mistake made in hospitals by giving it to non-frontline workers do we need somebody to overview the vaccine rollout? Do we need a minister for rollouts rollout or something like it? Don't we have one? Don't we have Minister Oshin Smith and I know John Paul tried to put a call through to him. He has the total responsibility for the vaccines and the vaccine rollout. So we are, if we already have one. And of course, there's a lot of pressure now coming on the health minister, Stephen uh, Donnelly, for the rollout of the COVID uh, vaccines. And the pressure's coming on him when a second Dublin Maternity Hospital admitted that they vaccinated relatives of staff. And the minister now, there, there is... Fingers of blame been pointed at him that he's struggling to get on top of the situation. The HSE only issued new protocols on what to do with leftover doses in the middle of last week. Now you wonder as soon as the vaccine started should those protocols have been in uh, place and there was a, a second uh, the Rotunda Hospital yesterday came out but that was after the Coombe Hospital admitted at the weekend that they gave 16 doses of the vaccine to relatives of family members because they say they were unable to get direction from health authorities and they didn't want to see the vaccines go to waste at the weekend and then the Rotunda came out yesterday and said they gave vaccines to relative staff members while Tala Hospital said jabs were given to management and admin staff who are not frontline workers they're not face to face with COVID uh, patients and then of course it also emerged yesterday that 10 construction workers who are doing building work at the University Hospital in Kerry in Tralee they also received the COVID-19 uh, vaccine hospital defended that saying that they, they needed to work in clinical areas and they were involved in time critical construction projects and obviously opposition leaders now piling the pressure on the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly and questions are going to be raised in the Dáil today over the Minister's handling of the vaccine rollout. I know the Labour leader Alan Kelly, he felt that the vaccines uh, the fact that vaccines were being given to family members of hospital staff he said was very undermining of the vaccine programme. He says there's a series of questions that needs to be answered by any of those hospitals and by the Minister and he said what did the HSE protocol say and why wasn't it followed? Well I take it the hospitals will defend that it wasn't followed because they didn't have a protocol in uh, in place uh, for it or if they did they didn't have the protocol in, in time but there is something very bizarre when you had to have wasn't it staff from Nina Hospital they had to go on social media to say we're working with COVID patients and there's no sign of us getting uh, vaccinated and they went public over the weekend at the same time, we were hearing about the Coombe Hospital giving the 16 doses to uh, family members. Now, I know fair dues to the staff at Nina Hospital for going public because it did spur people on and vaccinations did arrive at the hospital on Monday. But when I looked into it, I think there's 300 staff, only 40, 40 vaccines arrived and you can imagine the scramble in the hospital to decide who's going to get the vaccine and who doesn't. Some of your texts coming in on supermarkets and are, are people noticing that supermarkets are not being as strict as, say, they were at the beginning of the pandemic? That's what 
some people are saying to us today. Patricia, you are talking about supermarkets earlier. In my local supermarket, certainly up until last week, I've seen items like scones and buns and donuts all on sale, but they're not wrapped or covered. They have a pair of tongs sitting on top of them and then it's up to each person to use uh, the tongs. But how do you know that the person before you has sterilised their hands and how do you know that they don't have COVID? The produce was always always sold like this, but in the first lockdown, they started wrapping up all these items. But that all seems to be gone this time round. Also, I've seen people stand too near to the fish and the meat counter. It's completely turned me off buying fresh fish. Surely they should be made to stand back. Now, there are markers on the floor of the supermarket, but of course, people choose to ignore them. Surely there should be some kind of barrier there. With all of these new variants, we all have to be so, so careful, says a listener thanking you. Morning Patricia, let me tell you where we're at. Listen to this one. I'm a proprietor of a hair and beauty salon in West Cork and I've just received a call from a, la- from a lady, she's in her late 50s, wondering if we're doing mobile hairdressing service. Now by the way, she's not a client of ours but she says, oh I'm ringing around all the hairdressers to see if anyone is providing this service of a mobile hairdressing service. Texter says it beggars belief. I did in a fairly hard tone remind her that we actually are living in a pandemic and that this pandemic is very real. Isn't that incredible? The neck of somebody. Whatever about if you were brazen enough to ring your own hairdresser to say, you know, are you doing it on the QT or whatever, but to ring around and obviously it rang around a few and I'm assuming was getting the same response from all of the other hairdressers that she rang. We are in a pandemic at the moment. And here's another worrying text saying, Patricia, hi. Could you tell me, please, when you get the first symptoms of COVID, how long does it take before you get worse? And would it, how does it start off? The reason that I'm texting is I have a bit of a sore throat and I've had it since Sunday and I'm terrified that I have COVID and I'll pass it on to my family. It hasn't gotten any worse, so maybe I'm overreacting. Okay, the the protocols say that what you need to do is you need to ring your GP. I saw a doctor at the weekend post and I actually retweeted it. I haven't got my my Twitter feed in front of me, but I actually retweeted it. And he went down or she went down through a list of things like that, like a sore throat, kind of a constant trying to clear your throat, feeling a bit off, bit of a stomach bug, not feeling right. And she went down through a whole list of very minor symptoms. And she was saying, if you have any of these, then you need to ring your GP because more than likely you may have uh, COVID. Because what you have to remember Remember, there's no flu, for example, circulating this season. And that's got to do with the good hand hygiene, us keeping apart and people wearing uh, face masks. So because of that, there isn't a lot of other viruses, you know, things that cause stomach bugs, things that cause, that cause strep throats, uh, for example. So they say if you have any symptoms like that, pick up the phone and ring your doctor. I would nearly be... 100% convinced that if you ring up with a sore throat they will send you for a COVID test it's all free of charge but you're going to have to go for the COVID test and you obviously will have to restrict your movements and self-isolate while you're waiting on the results but you're better off making that call because I know you're saying it's only a sore throat and it hasn't got any worse when I look back on all of the people I have interviewed who have had COVID since the start of this pandemic, I've had everything from people saying I had absolutely no symptoms and I had COVID-19 right through to people who ended up having to be ventilated inside in, in a hospital. So you don't know. So if you present with any ty- type of symptoms, please, I would say to you now, pick up the phone, ring your doctor. They'll triage you over the phone. 
tell them what your, your symptoms are and if your doctor feels you need to go for a COVID test then they'll arrange it for you and as I say it is all free of charge but you are better off being safe than sorry because if you if you, you say yourself you're already terrified because if you have it and you are passing it on to everybody else in your household and you, you God knows who else you may be passing it on to so please pick up the phone and uh, ring your doctor and, and good luck with it and hopefully hopefully you don't have it at all but there is so much COVID in the community at the moment there is a chance that you may have it and the only way you're going to find out is by going for a test and on vaccines Patricia just wondering uh, do people do you have to put your name down to say that you want to get the COVID jab I'm in my late 70s no at this point you don't. You will be once all of the frontline workers are done once all of the patients in nursing homes and residential care are done the over 70s then in the community are going to be the next group of uh, people. Your GP will know your age your GP will know where you're living your GP will know uh, that you're one of the ones due for the COVID test so don't worry. And the reason I say don't ring up your doctors, we don't want to flood GP practices with people saying I want to put my name down for a, a vaccine you will be contacted. Now if we get to the stage where they are looking for people as I know in England certainly they started doing that they looked for people of a certain age group who hadn't been contacted already by their GP to come forward if and when that happens here we certainly will bring you that news but as of now no there's nowhere you need to go to put your name down you just have to hang in there and wait but you will certainly be the first group in the community to receive the uh, vaccine Hi Patricia why don't they lock everything down until the 1st of April and call it the summer holidays certainly for the schools then send all the pupils back on the 1st of April and let them remain in school right throughout uh, this summer keeping everything closed until the 1st of April will buy us uh, time and we will get closer to a vaccine I can tell you straight away while it's a great suggestion and I've heard that suggestion being made before the teachers won't agree to going into work in for June, July and August plain and simple you'll get some teachers that will them, but the absolute majority will not agree to that somebody else says no quarantine Patricia because there's no vaccine for stupidity a challenge for any scientist listening uh, if I had a, a text of the day I think I'd, I'd give the award to that thank you for that and back to the supermarkets I agree with your listeners about all shops not doing everything right I've noticed uh, many now are not wearing masks inside in shops surely shop owners and workers in shops have a responsibility people need to cop on and do things right my daughter works in a supermarket and she fears catching COVID-19 every day that she goes to work. Isn't that dreadful? Imagine having to go into work with that frame of mind as in do every, everybody who works inside in the hospital does it as well but anyone I think that works face to face who are dealing with members of the public has that fear factor that they might catch it. Tell your daughter to let her do everything right good hand uh, hygiene keep her two metres away from people and wear her mask and let her do everything right and she'll be protecting herself that way. Morning Patricia, I was watching the Tonight Show on TV last night, Roisin Shortall made very strong arguments about controlling people coming from Brazil but I felt that Oshin Smith, now that's the minister, the junior minister who's responsible for the vaccine that somebody was saying to was somebody in charge That's the, he's the guy I felt the arrogance of him he was nearly accusing her of racism he wouldn't accept the progress that Australia has made how do we make progr- 
progress with an attitude like that coming from the Green Party. 1850 And by the way, can you keep a lookout? There's a lot of scam calls during the rounds at the, at the moment. Somebody sent me in details of when you look very quickly at the number, you think it's an 021 number, except there's, there's two zeros before it. It's 0021. And there are 697 or 690 numbers as rings for about uh, two seconds. Uh, they're the ones they want you to call them back and then you're into a premium line. So if you have a smartphone, try to block them if you can. Uh, John Paul said that he's got a work phone here and he started getting scam calls last night from a plus, or last week from a plus 964 number. Obviously, he didn't take the call. He realised uh, straight away it was a scam call. But then he started getting, yesterday, he started getting text messages from that same number plus 964771 uh, number and it was Arabic writing and he when he went into one of these Google Translate the and put in the, the writing it translates meaning Allah which means blessings or favours and then the, they went on when John Paul didn't acknowledge a missed video call from the person they were sending on hearts to him as well but obviously he has blocked the number now so just be careful because there's a number of them doing the rounds and in the middle of all of those texts somebody said Patricia would you please say thank you to my mum Sarah McNamara and my dad Richard Williamson for the birthday presents and also mention my brothers Toby and Ethan and my sister Emily and that comes in from Andrew uh, happy related happy birthday to you Andrew and I've been also asked to say and I'm assuming it, is it one and the same person I don't know because I got another request in a separate one in saying would you say happy 15th birthday to my nephew Andrew from Dennis I don't know if that's one and the same person so if it is Andrew happy birthday to you C103 Jobs the Bon Secure Care Village that's on the Lee Road near Cork they're looking uh, to seek temporary staff nurses and healthcare assistants all of those jobs come with immediate start this Carol Engineering are looking for a stainless steel polisher for their manufacturing facility in Liscarroll. A driver required for collecting scrap metal. That's for black water metal recycling. That's in Boherbray. And rigid truck drivers are wanted for the Mallow area. You'll find all the, the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Neglect, reduced parental access and restrictions in vital support service mark the latest volume of reports published yesterday by the Child Care Law Reporting Project on cases where the state sought orders to take children into or keep them in care. I'm joined by the Deputy Director of the project and that's uh, Dr Maria Corbett. Good morning to you Maria. Good morning. You're, you're welcome to the programme. Does your report you. clearly show how COVID restrictions put vulnerable children at higher risk of neglect? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, 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 the project, the Chocolate Law Reporting Project, we're reporting from the courts on an ongoing basis. So we would see cases of neglect uh, during each each of our, the, the, uh, of our reporting phases. But what we saw this time around is that some very severe cases of neglect, which I can talk to you about in a moment. And I suppose what we're, what we're, we're, we're putting out there as a, as a question is, would we would those cases have gone on so long if, if it hadn't, if we hadn't been under the restrictions? So if schools hadn't been closed, if there hadn't been a, an opportunity for children to engage more directly with social workers and engage in other support services. So we know that... Um, Teachers are a very important part of our child protection welfare system, 
whereby they're seeing the children on a continual basis and they can pick up when things are going wrong, when they see signs uh, of, a, of, a, of a child um, maybe suffering from neglect and they will often, um, that would lead to a referral into the Child Protection Services, which is TUSLA, the Child and Family Agency. So some of the, two of the cases that we had, one in particular, I suppose, demonstrates that um, the, the children had been attending school the teachers had been concerned for these children and had been engaging the children in lots of additional activities and keeping a close eye on them. And then when the schools were closed, um, the, the teachers continued to try and engage with the, with this family and they invited the child to engage in online activities, but the child didn't take up that, those in, invitations. Um, so after some effort by the school, the teacher actually called out to the child's home and discovered that the child, due to having a head lice infestation, the parents had actually shaved the child's head, and and that was why the child didn't want to engage in the online activities. Because the child didn't want all the classmates to see her with the shaved head. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Wasn't that fantastic of that teacher to call her own to the house? Yeah, amazing, amazing. And, 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 And I think, you know, we really have to give credit to all of the, the teachers who do engage in, 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 in this work of, of making referrals. We have another, another incident and another one actually where a bus driver, um, there was a mother who was intoxicated with, uh, as a passenger on his bus with a young child and he made a referral to the Gardaí um, and, that, and, that to, and that led then to the social services getting involved in that case. So I think it's really important to highlight that, that uh, child protection is really a community response and that people do... Uh, it is teachers and often uh, creches, early years providers that make referrals that are really important to trying to have a, a safeguarding approach to children uh, from, from across the community. Um, and in, in that case that I described earlier of, of the girl who, whose head had been shaven, um, when they, the, the, the situation transpired actually that her, her younger sister was actually hospitalised um, due to having scabies, ringworm and head lice. So things really had deteriorated for that, for those children, really quite substantially, uh, before the before the in- intervention um, came, you know. Um, yeah, I think that was probably one of the shocking things that made the most headlines yesterday when you published your report. The very idea or notion of a child in this country in 2020 being hospitalised, needing to be hospitalised because of scabies and head lice. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that, that there was actually a second case, unbelievably, in this six-month period of a child being hospitalised, and that was a, a family. There was two two girls taken into care, and one of them, um, she had to be hospitalised due to scabies, and the doctor described it as the most serious case of head loss he'd ever seen. And she had a, a very very precarious night in hospital where she was admitted to the intensive care unit and they were concerned that she might go into septic shock and that's a life-threatening position for that child to have been in. Um, Now luckily she she did recover um, but I suppose it it, it is unusual to see that that, that, that neglect to to have progressed to that extent Um, and there was a you know a sense there that the guardy called the home the home was considered to be in, in derelict 
condition, the mother wasn't fully understanding the seriousness of the, of the situation. That was the evidence that the social worker gave. Um, so there really was quite a precarious position for the children to be living in. And addiction, uh, Maria, features. And of course, during lockdown, a lot of the addiction services, I mean, even the, you know, the, the AA meetings, for example, many of them were not happening. And uh, the, the story of the little girl dreading when her mother would open the, the bottle with the red lid, the bottle of vodka. Yeah, with the, the bottle with the red top. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- this is, uh, in a way, this is quite a, a, a typical case that we would see whereby uh, addiction is at the, and, and domestic violence is, is a concern for the family. Uh, and in this case, uh, the father had passed away. The mother was parenting two, two children on her own um, and had an ongoing addiction issue that she was trying to address. But um, she, she became very stressed during one of the COVID restrictions and the, she wasn't able to make contact with her addiction centre that was providing her with support. And you, you can imagine the additional, I suppose, difficulties and the pressures people were under led to, to uh, her her addiction re- resuming. And, and um, in that case, the little girl, she, she has great insight into her own life. She describes herself as being the unluckiest girl in the world because of her mother's drinking. So I think that really says it all. Um, and she describes you know, the experience of, of, of being a child living in a house with, with somebody that when her mother pours a drink and that she would have to, uh, the mother would fall asleep before she does and that she would be alone in the dark except for the light of a computer tablet. When the tablet battery dies, she'd hate the long nights in the dark. So really you can see that the home environment there it, it, it was really unacceptable for that child and and um, and, and her sibling and, and they also came into care and the mother is again continuing to try and engage with the addiction services but for a lot of these families life is, is that they they really do rely so much they're often very personally isolated and they really do rely on so on support services so I suppose for for us reflecting on the on these cases we we really need to to try and kind of emphasise the importance of ensuring the continuation of, of, of vital support services for these families and for children um, and that there would be imaginative solutions in relation to addressing children who are particularly vulnerable and isolated especially when schools are closed yeah, that we would yeah. be able to do things there, you know. Yeah, and when children end up in care then, Maria, and go into, uh, in with foster families, do you see them blossom with foster yeah, families? I mean, yeah, often, I, I mean, for a child that's living in a house where things are very chaotic, where there's, you know, there's no structure or, or, or kind of um, stability, they, when they go into a foster care family that can provide that, like set meal time, routine, you know, clear, clear kind of pattern to the day and the week, they really, they often do settle um, and, and do very well. And school and education is continually um, coming up as, as so important for them that they're doing well in school, that they're getting on well. And sports and activities, you, you'll often will, will hear the court report back that the child is engaged in a local football team or something Brilliant. and is doing really well, you know. Um, but they will also uh, all, all, often, get, mo, mo, in most cases, they would continue to have access visits with their parents and, and there would be, a, um, uh, you know, a um, uh, an intention that they would be reunified if that is possible and if the parents can overcome whatever difficulty has created the need for the child to go into care. 
And I think that's something that has been, again, disrupted by um, the COVID restrictions, that that regular kind of access between a child in care and their parents has had to be disrupted um, because perhaps uh, the foster carers are concerned around uh, the mixing of another household. So that which that's which a, was un, uh, unfortunate on the parents who were trying to get access to their children, but understandable on behalf of the foster families. Absolutely, and especially if they have somebody within their own household who has a particular vulnerability yeah. to COVID. Yeah. So you know you can you can see the the, the dynamics here are very complex. Uh, so we we would feel that when they're prioritising the rollout of the vaccine, that we think that foster families who are in that position where there is a particular difficulty for them in facilitating this essential access, that they would be prioritised for the vaccine um, to to allow. Because it, for some children, it, the what's happening is the courts need to make a determination as to their future. Um, they, to do that, they need to assess the child and parent and they need to see them physically meeting together to be able to assess what's happening and be able to give recommendations to the court. So a lot of kind of very important decisions about a child's life can't progress until we can have those assessments and, and the courts can make a determination. And, and then that often is very important for a child that there would be a sense of stability as to what's happening in the, with, with their placement or whether they're returning home or not. So okay. um, I think addressing those issues around access um, and, and, and assessments would be very important. Okay, so the rollout of the vaccine and get the schools, get those vulnerable children back into the classroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah All right, yeah. Uh, uh, Maria. Well done. It's a it's a it's a tough read. Uh, parts of it, believe me. But as well, you know. But listen, thank you for joining us and sh- and talking to us about it this morning on the program. Brilliant. Good okay, morning to you. Bye bye. Uh, it's Dr. Maria Corbett, who is the Deputy Director of the Child Care Law Reporting uh, Project. As I say, I I still couldn't get my head around a child who ended up uh, in an intensive care because of a, a really but the worst head lice infestation that the consultant had ever seen. Incredible. Uh, in 2020, 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Job vacancy on one of the country's most iconic islands which has no hot running water and no electricity is once again up for grabs to discuss the job of summer caretakers on the Great Blasket Island. I'm joined by Billy O'Connor. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning, Patricia. I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, you offered these caretaker jobs last year. Just remind listeners of the response that you received this time last year. Yeah, we were a bit overwhelmed last year, actually. We weren't expecting much of a response at all, but we, we ended up in the end, I think we received over 60,000 emails um, looking for information regarding the job or the position on the island. So it was we couldn't deal with it, actually. I suppose we could only manage even about 10%. And people um, just liked the idea of signing out of the rat race for the summer and just living on this beautiful, iconic island. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think that was it. I think they, they, they probably kind of romanticised it a bit. They okay. Entirely know what they were getting into. A lot of people, so um, I think that was a lot of it, um, and it was tough then to filter through that and find the, the serious applicants. I suppose. And who did you get last year? Uh, we had um, we had a couple there from um, they're from Waterford and um, and Dublin. They're they're living in Dublin, and they they came down. Annie Annie Vernon owned Boyle, 
and they were brilliant for the whole summer. So. And were they in a partnership or just friends? Yeah, they were in a partnership. They're a partnership. Yeah. And is yeah. is that who's ideally? Is it a couple is ideally suited to this? You need to really yeah. get on with the other person. A bit, yeah, a test relationship, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah, ideally, like they work well together. Um, and it's a good dynamic and they keep each other company. And so it, it, we we tend to find it works a bit better. And there's 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 they sharing a room above the coffee shop, so. Um, you don't need to be used to each other's company, I suppose. Okay, talk me through what the job entails. Um, well, we have three cottages, hopefully four this summer, and um, they just turn over the cottages, make sure there's spots, there's a speaking span for the um, new guests. And then uh, we couldn't open the coffee shop this summer because of COVID. I'm not sure how um, the upcoming summer is going to be, but um, hopefully we'll be able to have some small refreshments anyway there. And it's uh, just what a coffee shop with what scones. Yeah, what? just selling teas and coffees and scones. That's it. And then just turning over the houses, making sure they're clean for the new arrivals. And how often do you need to turn over the cottages? Is it weekly? No, every day. So there, if there, it depends how long the guests are staying. If they're staying for one or two days, um, so they'll need to turn over every house or three cottages. Of course, of course, you wouldn't go uh, for a week. Well, some people do, but no, generally it's it's one or two nights. It's short stay. And there's yeah. there's no hot running water and no electricity? There's no hot running water. Now, we do have a little um, gas hour this year for the for the staff, hopefully. Um, it'll it'll work. It's working at the moment anyway. But uh, there's nothing permanent there because there's no electricity on the island, so it's tough to... Something, things, things are up and down. How how does one charge a, f- a phone? We have, uh, well, we do have a generator, so we do all the hoover and cleaning power tools with that. And then we have um, a, few, um, a wind turbine with a couple of batteries hooked up to it, okay. just for very basic charging. But I'm assuming for the guests that arrive, the guests that go and stay, that's part of the attraction. You really are checking out. I, th- I think so, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are after, actually, because they're, they're, they're almost disappointed when they hear the great phone reception of 4G out there. Switch off your phone when the battery dies, that's it. We're not, we're not, it, yeah. we're not rechar- recharging it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, OK, with, with the COVID restrictions last year, how, 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 did, they, how did they get on? Uh, they were fine. They have a lot of extra cleaning for them, so I suppose they're under pressure on that front. But um, they did amazing, really, so... Um, given the circumstances and there's such a new um, train for everyone so I, I thought I thought they had done very well I think they were happy overall um, and it was it was a bit short so I say they might have been disappointed they, they didn't get the, the the earlier months tend to be quieter so you can ease your way into the job whereas they were thrown straight into um, June, July and August which would be the busiest time of the year because of course you you were you were open for part of it, but when, wouldn't have been open for all of us. Yeah, when did we open? It was July actually, July August, yeah. September. So they were quite busy for July and August. I think the the people were raring to go. They were all, it was it would have been one of one of the busiest years um, if if we were open for the six months. So we were we were kind of flat out and with the extra um, precautions we were taking. They were they were very busy. So they had a busy two months anyway or three months. And we don't know at this stage where we're at. We're, I mean, I'm assuming you're hoping that there will be some kind of tourism open during the summer months. Yeah, well, hopefully if we're up and running for June or anything around that, we'd be very happy. OK. So we'll just play by you, you know, everyone's in the same boat. And obviously because of travel restrictions, I'm assuming there will be less applications this year, will there? Yeah, well, we have, this, um, we have, we have a, we put, we put in a, a, a bit of a different system this year just to try this, um, just to kind of filter out some people who wouldn't um, just fit the criteria right off the bat. So we've only we've we've had we're way down on applicants this year, which um, 
good and bad, I suppose. But okay. we, we, have, we have plenty, plenty of good. We still have about 160 really decent applications. So. so are you limiting it to Irish people? No, we're, we're, no. we're not. No, but just you, you have to be able to live and work in Ireland and um, come, come in and... With the with the travel restrictions and, and that, so yeah, we don't. I mean, nobody knows yeah, when when they're, they're going to be lifted. Anything we wouldn't like to cut any, anyone off or anything, but I suppose um, it's the, the year that's in it now it kind of naturally naturally does that a small bit. Okay, how do people apply, Billy? I uh, can go onto our website, and there's a link on our website. Greatblaskline.net. Greatblaskline.net. On our Facebook page. Okay, listen. Well, good luck. To you, and we hope the sun shines on the Great Blasket Island for the entire summer. And in the meantime, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Good morning to you. Bye bye. Have a good day. That is uh, Billy O'Connor of the Great Blasket Island.net. If you think that appeals to you, you're free in the summer, and hopefully life will have returned to some kind of normality in the summer. But if you think that is the job of your dreams to be caretakers, on the Great Blasket Island and you have a partner or a very good friend who'll do it with you, then why not apply? We were talking about public toilets earlier and actually I'll go through because a couple of people are sending in suggestions if you're going to the city where public toilets uh, are available. But Lucy from West Cork says, I second that listener who raised the issue of lack of toilets, be they public toilets or coffee shops and hotels and restaurants not being open. It makes my trip up to Cork for treatment tricky as I have urgency. Need to go to the loo. It's due to the chemo I am receiving and a lot of my usual stops are now not available to to me at the moment and that's from Lucy in uh, West Cork God bless your heart Uh, Lucy stay strong and hopefully the chemo is going well for you You're listening to Cork Today on replay Phone and text lines are currently closed some commentary in with regards to schools and when will schools uh, reopen and special needs school and leaving certain students that we discussed yesterday. One listener said, good afternoon, Patricia. Do teachers not realise that 80% of healthcare workers are actually women and not all of their children are of creche age? Also, many of the dads are frontline or essential workers. If teachers want to step up in this very unusual crisis that we find ourselves in help these frontline workers to at least be able to get to work by minding their families in order for them to mind the frontline workers to mind their friends, their families and their neighbours I know one nurse who works out in the community, her husband is an essential worker who by the way earns more than she does and she was told to bring her children in the car with her as she goes about her work. Five days a week children by the, by the way are aged between 5 and 12 Is that okay? How are they supposed to do their homeschooling if they're stuck in the back of the car while Mammy's going about her job? I'm a nurse and thank God my kids can look after themselves. Plus, my husband died in the first lockdown and my family couldn't even come to be with me because of the two-kilometre rule. If schools opened up for these frontline workers, the workers could at least go to work. So, can we not all work together? There's a lot of frontliners still waiting for their vaccines or or nursing COVID patients at this moment in uh, time. That's quite a strong, uh, strong text. And can I just send all my commiserations to you on the loss of uh, your husband? You certainly have had a very, very rough year uh, indeed. My, My heart goes out to you. On the leaving cert, 
A listener said, do people realise it's not all about the Leaving Cert students? What about students that are trying to do their masters and are trying to get their placements in different schools and workplaces? Everybody is affected no matter what. Too much emphasis being placed on the Leaving Cert students. And then we hear from the parent of a special needs child. Colette has contacted us. Uh, says, hi, uh, Patricia. We are parents of a special needs child and we're still in limbo while unions and governments are busy playing verbal gymnastics. Has anyone asked when did the vast majority of the infections take place? They took place during the Christmas holidays when the schools opened then when the schools were closed. So you can't say that it was when the schools were open. So to say the special needs education schools are unsafe is simply a cop out. People went mad at Christmas. Infections wrote, rate shot through the roof. And yet again, children are, play, are paying the price. Families with children with special needs, our adults, have close-knit bubbles even prior to uh, COVID, uh, says Colette. And yeah, many of those families have been cocooning. The only place the children went to uh, was schools. And certainly listening yesterday to the unions getting involved, uh, I'm certainly not hopeful. That's, that special needs schools will open on Thursday. Remember, they were meant to open for so many days a week or so many hours every day. But listening to what came out yesterday in that webinar that took place where everybody involved in special needs, all of the teachers unions were involved, force on behalf of the special needs assistants were involved. It was, was it, did I see 16,000 people logged on to the webinar? And I know looking at some of the comments that I saw that were coming in, they were all very negative. Nobody wanted to go anywhere near uh, the classroom or anywhere near the schools. I, I, I did struggle a bit when I was following some of it yesterday, particularly on social media. There didn't seem to be anybody in there fighting on behalf of the children and the families. It was all about the teachers and it was, seemed to be all about the SNAs and the other people working in the special needs schools. And I know they'll say, oh, we're only trying to keep the, the children safe. But how many times have we heard from parents of special needs children on this programme who say they fear for their children not being in school more than they fear their child picking up uh, COVID. Anyway, the, those discussions are still going on uh, and the Department of Education is still doing their best to try to get special needs schools to open. But as I say, my gut instinct is telling me from what I heard yesterday, I can't see any of those schools opening on Thursday for sure. OK, on vaccinations and on the so-called leftover vaccines, some commentary in on that. Sandy says, COVID, hi Patricia, I am not amused to say the least. Listening to folks, TDs etc, giving out about medics, family members getting what is termed a result of careful measurement as leftover COVID vaccines. Do they tell us in the same sentence about the number of medical staff off work as a result of COVID infected spouses? No, they don't. If they disregard what was left of the so-called leftover vaccines uh, due to their hands being tied because of bureaucratic red tape and say nothing, they would be doing their jobs as directed. The EU last week came out and said it was possible to get one more dose from each vial of the Pfizer vaccine and yet no instruction was issued till all of this bull came to life, says uh, Sandy. The Pfizer vaccine is meant to be five doses when the bottle is remade up, but it seems you can get six out of most, most of them. And then I heard with the Moderna vaccine, there's 10 
vaccine doses in each bottle but it seems that most of them you can get 11 because there's a bit more put in or you could have a bit left over and one and mix it in with a bit left over from another one and that's how these so-called left I'm assuming that's how these so-called leftover vaccines uh, were there so Sandy reckoned that they did the right thing and somebody else as well agrees and says can we push through the vaccine for common sense fair play to those medics in the Coombe and the other locations for using up the vaccine which was going to expire in a very short period of time we know we have supply problems so surely it's crucial to use every single vaccine that we have and I think they, they're good points as well I know it's frustrating for frontline workers when they see others getting it and they didn't get it but would those same hospitals have come under a huge amount of flack if they admitted oh we had 16 left over we had 11 left over but we didn't have anybody else to give it to so we poured it down the sink because you only have so many hours once it's reconstituted to give it out so yeah it's damned if you do and damned if you don't somebody else says why don't we stop fooling ourselves things are never going to be the same they are absolutely stay positive I refuse to accept that life will return to normal and this time will pass Hi since Covid-19 arrived in this country our government have told workers what to do as in most cases they were told stay at home and go on a pop payment and others like myself in an essential service we've all put our shoulders behind the wheel as of this nation to get us through this nightmare pandemic but a well-known profession who shall in this text remain nameless are asked to go to work and their union say it's unsafe to do so time and again they say it's unsafe so what will they do they'll stay at home on full pay this is an absolute shambles and it's one of the main reasons a bitterness is resurfacing in this lockdown put those state employees on the pup payment and I can assure you a return to full working conditions would follow very quickly. When this national crisis is over and please God it will be very soon the real heroes of lockdown will be clear to see. The rest will be shown up for what they did for the country which is absolutely nothing and only increase their bank balances and that's regards a hard worker on the front line who's been working since March of 2020. Keep up the good work and uh, please stay safe. Hi Patricia listening to you about supermarkets our local supermarket has a hand sanitizer as you go into the shop that would be grand if it worked and it's a hands free machine and it's always empty I take my own sanitizer as I believe most people do I hope and as for fresh fish and fresh bread and scones etc yes you're right they're not wrapped anymore worrying I would think but you are right on the personal responsibility I go nowhere without my little bottle of hand sanitizer uh, either because that does happen you will get to a shop and they maybe just be hoping they're just busy and they haven't noticed that it's been emptied and I always say to people if you go into a shop a supermarket and the hand sanitizer is empty try and draw that attention to a staff member let them know it's empty so that they can go and refill it but have your little bottle with you and I also have a bottle in the car as well. A lot of it's personal responsibility. Look after yourself. Don't be worrying what everybody else is doing. Just keep yourself and your loved ones as safe as you can. Uh, Okay. also, Patricia, I agree with some of the ladies who've contacted you and spoke about this lockdown being very different to the first lockdown. And there is that sense that we're not all pulling together but I feel what has happened is we're all sitting at home everybody wants to get the vaccine and we can't wait for the vaccine uh, to come we needed to get back to some kind of a normal life and what's happening is 
We're fed up of being inside, nothing to look forward to. And we just wish that Eileen, it would all come to an end soon. And because of that, you've got people breaking the rules and complacency is setting in and people are simply getting uh, fed up. And that's not going to get, unfortunately, Eileen, that's, that attitude is I'm just not, I, I sense and see where it's coming from, but it's just not going to get us out of the mess we're in at the moment. And all we're going to see is numbers increasing uh, day on day. Uh, Mike says, could you please say thank you to Garda Bridget Hartnett. Bridget has been a lifesaver uh, to me. Thank you, Bridget. Isn't that nice? Well done. Some of our Gardaí and the community Gardaí have just been amazing. And some of our postmen and women have been amazing. And there's lots of goodness out there. Well, I know what people are giving out and people are getting fed up of it. But let's not remember there's great acts of kindness going on uh, as well. I mean, only yesterday we had the lovely story from Eilish talking about how Dunn stores on Patrick Street and Boots on Patrick Street and the satellite cab company in the city, how they all went above and beyond the call of duty so that her auntie Eileen could get the bits and bobs that she needed inside in the, the Mercy. So there are great acts of kindness uh, as well going on. Uh, Patricia, yes, I feel the same about the, this was the homeless programme that was on TV last night. We have a, a shameless nation where greed is concerned and whoever refused those people a place in a hostel for the night, I feel should be fired. Uh, we Should we have a government that all but claim they can negotiate with the virus in that they deem certain workplaces safe and an electorate who are bigger clowns for having put them there, says a texter, not happy with the current government. And on toilets and on people saying if they go, you know, if you go into town, it could be an issue now for some people if they have an issue where they always need to have availability to a toilet and we forget with all the toilets closed at the moment, that isn't always possible. C in Cork uh, says, just to point out, there are some public toilets available in the city. There are toilets in Paul Street in the shopping centre and in Merchant's Key shopping centre. The toilets in Paul Street are upstairs. They're open until late and the ones in Merchant's Key close between six and seven. And just to let you know, there can be long queues for them because obviously they're the only public toilets available so thank you for that for anybody who needs to head into the city there are toilets available 1850 another text by WhatsApp says are we a nation of begrudgers what happened to a united Ireland the more people getting the vaccine the better regardless of who it is it will result surely in a faster way for a safer country for all of us to live uh, in. And Anne says, Patricia, listening to you in your interview in the last hour about the caretaker job on the Great Blasket Island and there's no hot running water and there's no electricity, I think it would be ideal for teenagers who destroyed state property, make them work there for two weeks, don't give them any pay, you can provide them with food, but tell them they have to cook for themselves, says uh, Anne. Thanks for that, Anne. 1850 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow Meals on Wheels would like to remind people that they are available Monday to Friday for deliveries to regular and to new clients. They would especially like to hear from people who are isolating at the moment. You can phone Eleanor on 087-289-1641. They're also, by the way, looking for anyone who's got time on their hands who might like to volunteer to help deliver the meals. Again, you can call Eleanor 087 
0818-289-1641. And the staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company are aiming to collectively walk, run, cycle, hike and swim 1,200 kilometres during this, the month of January. And they're doing it in an effort to raise money for the wonderful Cork Simon community who help out the homeless who we were been talking about earlier. You can donate through their Just Giving page. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. And C103 brings you Premier League Live exclusively online. It's powered by Talk Sport. This Saturday, Trevor Welch has pre-match analysis with some of the biggest names in the game, live commentary, exclusive interviews and the post-match breakdowns. The Premier League Live online with Now TV stream all the action from Sky Sports on the Now TV Sky Sports Pass. Listen, Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. Now to the phone lines we go where JJ joins me from Belgooli. Good afternoon to you, JJ. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now you're a bit upset with Irish Water. They had the... Okay, just give me the background to this. This is the proposed water scheme for Belgooli. Yeah, I know. Don't keep it too long. So we, we suffer from very hard water here in Belgooli and it causes absolute havoc. Um, you name it. Um, I, I think I, I think this year I spent a thousand euro, euros bringing in a plumber to sort out. Um, right, you know, it it actually eats through pipes because it's so hard. So like, even though like your your connections are plastic, but the, if the connections going into reds or boilers or anything or dishwashers, you know, you name it. If there's water in it, so in 2012 we started a campaign to upgrade the water. Uh, we were awarded, I think, in 2013 a scheme. In 2016. They laid uh, pipes at a cost of half a million, which have still haven't been used four years later. Then they decided, now at the time, the, I believe the county engineer, he's retired then, David Keane, decided, look, just turn on the water and Irish water. said, no, 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 we need to upgrade um, a reservoir in, in River Sticks. So they went and they looked at that and they discovered it was leaking. So they spent another 12 months trying to patch it and then they had problems then trying to get access to be fair to the landowners, they wanted you know, to try and get at it. That had to be sorted out. So that took more time. So we kept getting emails, and uh, I contributed to local uh, papers there, um, and as such, so I was getting emails. And last August, I got an email from them saying, yeah, it's all fine and dandy. Um, it's ready to go. Now, I had, I had inside information that that was incorrect, because what happened was they connected it to the system in Ballinhastic, and I think a lot of your listeners, and they'll see it quite recently, the, the, the pipes there in Ballinhastic had to be sorted out. They were breaking every second week. In fact, they were breaking every second day, to be fair to the residents out there. So uh, I discovered, I said in August, I said to, Irish, I said to September, well, where's, the, where's our water for Belgooli? And they said, uh, well, we have a problem, actually, because if we turn on that water and the system breaks in Ballinhastic, um, you'll be out of water. So, look, sorry about that. Uh, it was a mistake. shouldn't have been told that. Definitely, you'll have it for the end of October. No bother. We'll be all done and dusted. So, the start of December came. I contacted Irish Water and I said, well, that's the story. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, slight problem. There needs to be some testing done there. So it'll be done straight after Christmas, January. Yeah, you'll have the water, no bother. Turned on, done and dusted. Brilliant. That's grand, fantastic. As I said, we, you know, and residents, people are asking me because I'm involved in a residence group here. Uh, and um, I said, and actually a lot of people asked me the last few days, so I said I ringed them yesterday. And the girl said, um, uh, I, knew, I knew straight away then. She said, I said, okay, what's wrong? Uh, we've not a problem. I said, what is it? Oh, COVID restrictions. I said, you must be joking. I said, it's, it's essential. 
oh no, it's not essential. I said, how is it yeah. essential? Well, we we got on to Irish Water on your behalf, and they, you know, they. I'm not going through the entire commentary, but, you know, basically they're saying priority at all times is the safety of those involved in operation and construction act- activities, as well as safety of the of the public. So they say, in the case of the Belgooli water supply scheme, a risk assessment determined that the activity should be deferred until such time as the risk of transmission of COVID has dis- decreased or additional controls can be put in place. We note that the river stick to Belgooli, Maine is already live and supplying the National School in Belgooli, which that's closed. Anyway, the switch over to the new scheme will be rescheduled once the current level five restrictions are eased. Irish Water proposed to carry out the works in February or March as soon as the current risks associated with the virus have reduced. So you've got to wait for level five restrictions to ease. And let's be honest... They're not going to ease for quite some time. I don't believe that, Trish, if that's the case, I had that conversation with that girl yesterday. If that's the case, and I said to her yesterday, if that's the case, I question all Irish water. If they're saying, because I have some background in health and safety, if they're carrying, if they're saying the risk assessment is unsafe, because I can actually, first of all, I have to say, the school was connected uh, in in July. It was an afterthought. The school was was elected, was, was, was um, actually connected to. So that was only done in last July. Um, and I didn't even realise that, so that was only tapped into it. The water is sitting in, 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 in. It's, uh, my understanding is, it's, it's literally they need to, they need to block off one section and turn on the tap. So you, uh, what you're saying is, from what you can gather, there's very little work left to be done. Absolutely none. And if they're staying in a risk assessment in an open area, and I think anybody listening to your program that has any involvement in health and safety, and if if Irish Water are saying that there's a risk for them. Working in an open in open area on small works, then I think at this stage the HSE should probably go and investigate what other what other works they're doing because if that's the case, that that it's incredible because well, it's, well yeah, and I mean I'm assuming there's other Irish water work going on. Absolutely, and what she said to me yesterday, then you see, she really stumbled her way through it yesterday. Now, to be fair to the to the representative and the spokesperson, she's only doing her job, and and you have to be fair to them. They only do. But she stumbled. She said, "Well, the other problem is, you know, it's getting people to the site." And I said, "But sure, how are you getting other people to site?" You know, and uh, to be honest with you, Trish, I think I'll be back on to next month saying, um, you know, this guy, this guy isn't yellow enough, yellow enough tomorrow morning, or it's not blue enough tomorrow. tomorrow. Well, you, well, you certainly, their their line is, you're going to have to wait for level five restrictions to ease, and then when it is eased, uh, they'll carry out the works in February or March. And I straight away would question if, say, level five restrictions end on the first of February, mm-hmm. why can't they give you a commitment that as soon as they're eased, they'll be in there on the first day? I mean, looking at this, it's February or March. Mm. My, my understanding is that there's a, there's a slight issue, there's yeah. some issue going on between, I okay. don't know whether this is true or not. But okay, be careful now about saying something that I you, know, you, no, don't, you know quite for sure. But, but listen, keep us keep us informed and keep us in, in contact and we'll pass on to the good people of Belgooli. But in the meantime, you have to put up with hard water and anyone yeah, and who lives with hard water knows what that is like. And uh, yeah, and the other problem, just before I let me go, there is an ongoing issue here as well, but it doesn't affect us, thank God, we're very lucky. But there's there's a there's a there's a desperate smell out of out of one of the treatment plants in in, in, uh, in here and and that's been an ongoing issue and it's been you know residents are 
So we have two issues there. Okay. And you'd really think that Irish Water would want to get the residents of El Dooley off their back by just turning on the water. I mean, it's eight years. It's a, yeah, it's too long. It's too long. All right, JJ, we leave it there. Thanks Thank you for much. that. Thanks. And thanks for joining us. And just a quick couple of comments and texts in. Uh, and when I read out that uh, comment where somebody was didn't name the profession, but very obviously was talking about people in education and why can't teachers get back to school? And there was a couple of other comments in as well from frontline workers saying can't understand it. You know, why are teachers, uh, why do teachers feel that they're privileged that they won't go into the classroom when people have to go in and work in COVID wards, for example? Uh, Ellen says, Patricia, I'm a primary school teacher and I am currently working from home. It infuriates me, says Ellen, to hear people say, put teachers on the PUP payment. I and my fellow teachers are entitled to our wage when we are still working. We're not off work. I understand and empathise with parents. I'm doing my utmost to help the parents in my class with the home learning. I am not in charge of the INTO or the Department of Education. I'm certainly not refusing to return to work. I'd love to be back in the classroom doing the job that I love with the wonderful children in my class. I particularly feel sorry for parents and families of children with special needs as I can only imagine how difficult it is for them at at home. Thanking you and that's from Ellen who is a teacher who wants to get back into work. Someone else says, Hi Patricia, I agree 100% with that lady who's calling out teachers. I work frontline, have been since last March. We still have to get on with it. We have good days and we have bad days, but so what? The show must go on. Sandy said, Did I hear that some schools are proposing one to two hours for special needs uh, children? Well, that's absolutely useless to families and also annoying to bus drivers as well. I know insurance plays a big part in the decisions and I wonder who is responsible if a law case goes against the case of a serious illness. I blame the insurance companies or the government for giving too much uh, leeway. And someone else says, Patricia, there is a lot of talk on about education. Most of it has nothing to do with education. A lot of people are only looking for a babysitting service for their children. Why should my wife, who is a teacher, put her health at risk by going back into the classroom when there's so much COVID in the community? And she's only doing it to mind other people's children. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103 Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Three. Joe Heffernan uh, joins me on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and today, we're, look, we're trying to give words of advice to people who are working on the front line and who are finding it very stressful at the moment. And I suppose there's a whole cohort of, and I, and I can see it already on calls coming into the programme today. I mean, earlier I had a woman, you know, talking about her daughter who works in retail, works in a, in a supermarket. Yeah. And just terrified every yeah. day going to work because, you know, people are getting a little bit lax about hand sanitising and wearing masks, etc. Yeah. And yeah. then, we're, you know, we've got nurses who are going in, working at the coalface. They're working in COVID wards and, and doctors and other people working uh, in in hospitals, it's a very challenging time for those workers, isn't it? It is indeed. And um, uh, I've been talking to a few of the people on the front line. And when we talk about the front line, you know, we immediately, our heads tend to go to hospitals. But we must remember as well um, the GPs, um, the healthcare workers like Home Helps who are going out to uh, people in need. Um, and in the hospital, um, people who are doing cleaning jobs, I mean, that's absolutely vital. And sometimes they kind of get lost in the, in the, in the term frontline workers. Yeah, because I think frontline, you straight The nurses would yeah, be top of the list. Yeah, if the nurses and doctors always seem to come up as the frontline workers. Yeah. But you forget that those doctors and nurses are backed up by a whole cohort of people. Absolutely. I was talking to a friend of mine recently um, who was in hospital and, um, you know, uh, he pointed out that to me. Uh, uh, thankfully, now he's out and home, um, but he went through a very tough time and um, uh, his wife had died actually just um, prior to, to Christmas. And um, uh, that's been a very tough, tough. time. But. He actually mentioned um, the people doing the cleaning that, um, okay, the, the, the doctors and the consultants, etc., um, were busy, busy, busy doing this, that, and the other thing. But when the people, when the person would come to clean down um, the, the room and that, um, you know, he, he found that the chats there too were extremely helpful. And sometimes I feel maybe they get a little bit um, forgotten about. Yeah, yeah, Mm. you're you're dead Mm. right. So how do you lessen the stress? I mean, I'm thinking of that young girl heading into her supermarket this morning, you know, going to bed last night, terrified going to bed, knowing she's got to get up for work this morning and going in there with almost living in in, with anxiety all the time. 
Well, now, from the people that I've had a chat with, um, they would find that um, being open about their fears, that talking with family and friends um, is, uh, you know, absolutely uh, essential and helpful. Talking about, for example, uh, their fears of the risk of being of catching the the COVID nineteen, um, uh, a, a huge fear of bringing it home um, from the frontline work. Um, that was a, a, a huge one. Um, Sometimes I remember one person sharing with me about a bit of conflict with the family. Um, you know, uh, in fact, I'm thinking about two different people. One where um, uh, it was uh, um, a male, and uh, he he was um, concerned that they were all taking the thing a little bit too casually at home. And um, I was talking with a, a woman who was saying to me that um, that the uptightness when she came home, uh, the, the, these now were, were two uh, hospital workers, um, uh, you know that uh, uh, that they were nearly treating her like a, a walking time bomb, and that um, that she kind of felt that, um, that that to be a little tiny bit more laid back would help. So there you have again the two extremes. In one case, taking the whole thing just a little bit too casually, and in another case, um, you know, going overboard with um, uh, with worry. Um, um, you know, um, and, and another big, um, uh, obviously a huge um, stressor uh, would have been where a patient would be going downhill, maybe having been transferred into ICU and um, where things weren't uh, looking good, um, because these people do care. It's, uh, you know, thank God when we're in a hospital, we're not just a number. They do care. Mm. But, um, yeah, so, like, talking with family and friends. And sh- um, sharing sharing your concerns. Yeah. And then looking looking after yourself. You know, you Big need time. to have, you know, make sure you're eating well, try to get a good night's sleep, a yeah. bit of exercise, a bit of fresh air, you know, all the usual things, I'm assuming. You need to keep on top of those. Yes, and, and to monitor that, like, um, um, how, how am I? Just take a moment. And say, okay, how am I? And um, uh, have I been running on fumes, as it were, in the 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 mortar parlance? Um, uh, what are my energy levels? Do I need to have a little rest? Um, that kind of thing. And now I know that the news today is good news that the numbers in hospitals are. Um, for the first time in a long time, just a little bit down uh, in numbers. And that's great to hear. But um, uh, some people, that uh, some of those particular people that I was talking with found it just a little bit OTT that, um, that was, you know, COVID-19, 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 um, uh, on the news, the numbers, the whole lot. Now, um I, I think we're all a little bit into that. I mean, you know, I, I, I'd be I, I'd be quite interested in seeing uh, this number count each day, but maybe not the one o'clock news and the six o'clock news and the nine o'clock news and um, the hourly on C103. 
that um ah just a small bit of a break um wouldn't wouldn't hurt and so that we don't need to get consumed with COVID-19. Where it takes over, yeah. 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 Find, find something else to distract. Read yeah. a book. Yeah. Watch a nice movie on the TV. You know, there's, there's there's lots of things you can do and, you know, get out for a walk. Just just switch off from it if, if you can. And I was I was listening to um, a piece, I think it was a podcast or something I was listening to, where they were talking about mindfulness and, a, you know, a little bit of meditation, which is fantastic if you can get into the habit of doing that. Just to switch off your brain completely. Yeah, and the, the, one of the best ways of doing that, like, is to just simply concentrate on the fact that you're breathing. Um, you know, that let the thought be, I'm breathing in, I'm holding, I'm breathing out. And um, uh, because otherwise, what can happen is that we're doing our breathing, but um, we're thinking about other stuff. And... Um, I mean, the the main objective of mindfulness is to be uh, fully into the moment that you're in. In other words, like that when you're breathing, to concentrate on the breathing. So I, 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 I do a, a good bit of that myself, and I just say, I'm breathing in, I breathe in through the nose, to the tummy. That's important, not expanding the chest, but expanding the tummy when I breathe in. If you blew into a balloon, uh, it would expand. And if you're breathing to your tummy, you'll, you'll, it will expand. So breathing into the tummy, holding for ah, just two or three seconds, and then exhale through the nose or through the mouth. That's the way I do it anyway. Other people might have their own way, and that's fine too. Um and uh, I, when I would breathe out, it would be a little bit noisily. Um, uh, you know, I would exhale um, uh, w- with a little bit of sound of the exhalation of the breath. And, uh, yeah, and if I lock into that, I find it especially helpful if I'm not getting to sleep. Um, you know, I, breathing. I just get into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I I find if I listen to talk going to sleep, so I normally switch on a podcast or something, and it'll knock me out in five minutes. It's, okay. it's, it's like everyone everyone has their own thing. Everyone has, has their, their own. And trick, I yeah. I have a friend of mine who uh, works on on the front line, and again we were d- discussing this whole thing about stress and what she was going through, yeah. and you know, and, and, a, and a tough enough time. And she said she took up something last year. She took up journaling, never right. journaled before, and she took to that and she said it's 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 now she said you know coming to nearly a year of doing the journaling she said it's interesting looking back at mm. things that were worrying her at the time seemed mm. huge that they're not mm. now you know and she mm. thinks God why did I get in such a flap about that but mm. she's found that she's getting great comfort from that Right and uh, I remember doing a bit of journaling in tough times um, oh I don't know 45 years ago whatever and um, I would have thought like we'll pick now the month of right okay November that was a terrible month and I didn't have a peaceful day and it was awful. But when I look back over the kind of diary journal, um, you know, there was quite a few days that I would have written down a good day. Um, um, and uh, so it kind of debunked this idea of that the days were all terrible because they weren't. And at the moment too, um, you know, one could easily kind of say, oh, it's all terrible, but it's not. Um you know, um, there are good times. Now I find a bit of distraction is great. Um, I'm currently watching um, the the the, the um, what is it? The Queen's Gambit. Brilliant. Yeah, 
Brilliant. I'm enjoying that. And kind of um, during the day, then just as it did now, this very moment, it crosses my mind. Yeah, I'll I'll watch an episode of that now tonight. Fantastic. Yeah, if you can find. And um, Bridgerton is another one that's absolutely brilliant. Anyone that was into Downton Abbey. What is it? Bridgerton. It's oh, a kind yes. of it's a period piece. It's, yeah. it's great. And then I frightened the bejesus out of myself at the weekend. I watched something called Night Stalker. Frightened the <laughs> life out of me. But you know something? It was a complete distraction. I'll say that. And and a listener is making the point as well. And this is this is a valid point and one that I know you'll agree with. Talk to other work colleagues. Absolutely. Because you're, what you're going through, you're not going through on your own. Yes. Yes. Talking about feelings of feeling helpless, feeling hopeless, of an odd day. Um, yeah, and uh, especially um, uh, you've often heard of the term a buddy system, but maybe there is a particular person that you um, can uh, uh, that you click with um, uh, in the job and um, and just share openly and honestly. And it doesn't always have to be I'm coping very well. Of course, we, none of us is coping very, very well. And you'll be surprised how your other work colleagues are probably feeling the very same way Absolutely. that you are. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, OK. Listen, we'll leave it there. We'll uh, we'll talk again next week. In the meantime, look after yourself and stay safe. And the same. Thanks a million. Joe Heffernan runs a counselling practice in Boerbui. His number is 0297 There are some comments in uh, reacting to the teachers who contacted us to point out that they are working very hard, even though they're working from home. Two texts in uh, back to back saying I would suggest to the teachers would they not take their summer holidays now if we're closing the schools for three months let everybody take their summer holidays let them enjoy their time off now and then bring them back in June, July and August if any of the teachers listening want to respond to that Jim in Clonakilty says our democracy is made up of pressure groups it's the unions have too much power and too much to say what about frontline workers in hospitals and shops nobody seems to be speaking up for them Mary and Mallow, again, the teachers' unions, as usual, are running the country. While they cannot afford to give the nurses more money, they can give a guy who became a secretary at the Department of Health a €90,000 pay rise while nurses on the ground get uh, nothing. And someone else said, it's interesting to hear one of your teachers say they don't run the INTO, but it looks like the INTO and the other teachers' unions are running this country. Okay, that's where we wrap it up for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing the programme. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and the most important thing of all is to stay safe and try and stay positive and keep smiling. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, see Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.